Hi, you guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my bosom buddy, Bobby Castron. Hey, Bob. Hey, Dan. I am so happy to be here. I am so damn happy to be here. I am so happy to be here. You want cocaine? I'm so happy to be here. Man, Hollywood changed, Bob. I'm so happy to be here. He got in the business, and he became a coke fiend. This pod would be a lot more annoying if we were on cocaine. (laughs) It would almost be like having a cricket in our head at all times. I know. There is a cricket. Wait, let's listen to it. Maybe yep. you can hear it. I can't really hear it, but it's all Bob thinks about. It's yeah. kind of like the, uh, what is that, the Edgar Allan Poe? Yep, Telltale Heart. Telltale Heart scenario. follows is, me around. What is eating you up inside, Bob, that is uh, leading to this driving you mad right now? It's just the fucking cricket. That's the only thing eating me up inside. I was uh, scouring Amazon for some anti-cricket uh, devices. Like that a crazy get, person does. Like an insane person. I'm basically Bill Murray and Caddyshack <laughs> now. There's your uncle humor for the night. There it is. But I am just chasing around this fucking cricket. They'll die soon, Bob. That's how nature works. So will is I. that what happens with insects? They die when the winter comes or they go away? <laughs> I, I don't so. know. I, I don't know. Really they fly that south for the winter. I never paid attention. Um, I don't think they fly south, Bob. But uh, Don't you ever fucking undermine me on this podcast again. Ever. <laughs> You're, you're the psychopath, bro. It's fucking crazy. Listen you hear to that it. too. You hear that too. Um, all right. <clears throat> it's been a it's been a couple of weeks. Apologies, we're about a week late for uh, the show because I got sick. Because uh, kids are the fucking worst. Oh, bit. and they're a little of their gifts to the world as well. Yeah, a little but bit, little, everything. little bit of heat online for you getting sick again. People saying that uh, Dan Hansis gets sick a lot. A lot yeah, of colds you, on this you know, guy. How about this? Go fuck yourself. It's fair. It's hard to have two little boys who are little sick machines, uh, but I love them so much. Oh, so much. Um, we've missed we've missed a lot, Bob. We've missed each other. Let's yeah. Start there. I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, I haven't left my house in like four days. So this is really exciting. <laughs> That's why I'm really happy to be here. You are stuck in the house. There was a power outage and you were trapped with a, a seven-year-old? Is that yep. Yeah, there was a parent-teacher conference day and then a power outage on Monday. So it was a four-day weekend mm, of just a lot, a lot of seven, seven-year-old activities. You're the first adult I've spoken to <laughs> besides my wife in a while. So this is very exciting. How And how is your uh, marriage going, Bob? Marriage is wonderful, uh, <laughs> with the exception of one big thorn in our in our side, and that is this, this podcast. This podcast. Yeah. yeah, That's what I figured. Uh, Heather still despises this and, oh, and oh. Told, thinks it's a total yeah. kind of sham, if you will. Oh, complete sham. Hates it, which is why we need to ask our uh, our listeners to go to patreon.com oh, and nice. help us out. Just, you know, keep my wife off my back. By, it's it's by basically, donating. if you don't donate, <laughs> Heather will stop the podcast. <laughs> That's it, really. Um, I have a couple things, Bob, I want to get off my chest, actually. And they're not things that have been building up. Actually, two things that happened in the last two days Okay, that connects... Directly to this show, because um, we try to mix it up with, you know, 90s, even late 80s and 2000s. But really, where our bread gets buttered is our discussion of the 90s and alternative rock. You know, we want this podcast to be about, like, our our memories and the kind of things that affected us back in the day. So it's going to be that time period. Yeah. Right. So two things. One thing, Monday Night Football, I watch all the primetime games in the NFL for my job. And... um, there's a weird thing going on right now with ESPN's coverage where they are t- 
I think it's tied to some type of auto giant. Uh, they have a halftime musical performance. Hmm. And it's um, the act that they pick is indigenous to the region of where the game is being played. Okay. Uh, but they, it doesn't seem like they dig too deep. So, for instance, um, they did a game, I think, last week in Baltimore. Okay. So you guys got Jimmy's Chicken Shack? So you got uh, Good Charlotte. Yeah, that, that also works. Which, yeah, but it's they're also in, They're like, an Annapolis band, of course. Like 15 years ago. <laughs> or was it the Redskins? I don't remember who played. But um, uh, And then this week... Uh, the game was in Madison, Wisconsin, Bob. Okay. And did you know that the majority of the band members are of garbage are from Madison? No, did which, not know that. Which led to a really strange, borderline surreal, because it felt like it was being targeted directly at our podcast and uh-huh. our podcast alone. Halftime performance from garbage. And then they did a, a, a faux live performance from Madison. Uh, Shirley Manson still looks great, but listen, time does what it does to all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an older band now, and they play a stilted version of uh, Push It, which is a 20-year-old single, uh, in the uh, uh, rain. I don't know if it was real rain. And the complete with, and I, I implore everyone to check this video out because it is on YouTube, a, a fake crowd around them Ooh, cheering. Weird. And one of the people around them is a, a housewife that looks like a Stepford wife holding up a sign says, uh, that says, I'm only happy when it rains. And it just felt like the death of something. Okay, I don't know on. what it was the death there's, of. There's a lot to unpack here. So first of all, that woman was probably the only actual fan because she's in the right demo. Yeah, I would say she was in the demo, which is our age, right. unfortunately. Um, but there's just a lot to unpack. I had a lot of questions. Why weren't after they all. playing I'm Only Happy When It Rains? Why were they not playing a new single? If you're going to do that, why were venue, they? Why were they there? Period. There's a lot to unpack. A lot to unpack. So that was one thing I was on my radar because I just, I just felt like it was um, didn't feel right, and it felt like maybe we shouldn't be doing this podcast. I don't know. Maybe that was the thing that was hitting at me. Like it just yeah. felt so irrelevant. Well, the thing that well, we are irrelevant. The thing that you were uh, you told me before the we started recording though was that well, Shirley wasn't looking as good. Butch Vig hotter than ever. Butch did look like a hot piece of ass. Uh, and then the other takeaway, Bob, you actually tweeted it. We didn't discuss this before the show, but um, Stereo Gum uh, wrote a retrospective piece on the new Radicals song, You Get What You Give. 20 years old. 20 years ago. And, uh, and I read that. Did you read it, Bob? I did. It was great. Very well written. And of course, yeah, they did a really nice job with it, and it had a really good hook to it. Uh, which was this guy had interviewed, uh, what was his name? Greg Anderson? Yeah. Greg Anthony? An- Greg Anthony? <laughs> Nicks? Greg Anthony of the Knicks. Greg Carroll, was it? Greg. Um, anyway, so uh, good piece, informative piece, and it hit on a lot of the beats that we kind of knew about, which was um, that he got out of the yeah. record-making machine because he was he just couldn't deal with how fake it was. Became a producer, yeah. But here's what bothered me, Bob, and let me know if you agree with this. So after he decides to get out of the business uh, of being a, a rock and roll star, he goes behind the scenes. Yeah. And then they very kind of matter-of-factly mention that his biggest hit as a behind-the-scenes songwriter is this song. It's like a Kira Knightley thing, right? No, well, that was a recent song, okay. but this was his biggest hit. Okay. You remember this one. Is that Carlos Santana? Oh, yeah, I know this song. The one and the only. Yeah. Um, 
And this is a pile of pig shit, this song. Uh, the Game of Love, uh, Santana featuring Michelle Branch. I was right, it was Santana. Yeah, oh, oh, yes. I mean, the, those licks. Those <laughs> licks. What really bothered me about the song, Bob, was that, so everything, again, everything felt like bullshit that we were, we were taught. So he got out of music because he didn't want to be a part of the machine, and then he wrote some of the biggest crap of the next decade. Well, now that you say that, this sounds like he could have sung it. Right. Yeah. But this is... But what I'm saying is, all, all his it was all bullshit. No, he didn't want to be like... Why would oh, you be writing these songs just to make money? Well, it's still in He's, him to write and produce. He just didn't want to be a rock star, quote-unquote, You're anymore. all fakes. Go run to your mansion, Greg Carroll. Well, he didn't want to go be like a homeless dude at a bus stop. He wanted to keep like being creative. He just didn't want to go touring as like this sort of fake rock You know what I'm saying, band. though? I, Why would he write really like basic pop radio kind of surface level music. Couldn't he do something a little bit more weighty if he was a guy that had such he, he had such honor for the idea of keeping it real mm-hmm. and not being part of this machine? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't he do stuff that was in line with that thinking? I feel like I said the same thing to you when you were just, you know, you had your own little blog about sports and you were considering going to the NFL and I was like, be true to yourself. Don't sell out to the man. And you didn't. Always sell out. That's true. I'm saying, I, but I, I never took a stance like Greg Carroll of the <laughs> <Not> New Radicals. <laughs> um, anyway, so those two things have me a, a little shaky about um, these quote-unquote heroes of our youth. Wait, hold on. You consider him a hero of our youth because he wanted to fight Marilyn Manson? I, I mean, he was a guy, if nothing else, that was a man who kept it real. Okay, or he said he did. And he then said he, he did. I don't know. I never really thought much about him aside from, I, I did like that album. I had it. And, All right. Uh, that's it. Enough, you know who did enough. keep it real, Bob? Who kept it real, Dan? Well, Aerosmith kept it real. Did they, though? And America's creepy bad, uncle. Bad transition. I don't think they did. <laughs> Steven Tyler kept it real. Okay, sure. Why not? Let's go with it. No, you're right. He didn't really, <laughs> they didn't really keep it real either because we're... Uh, uh, but that doesn't necessarily make them um, not enjoyable because, no. again, they didn't try to say they were something that they're not. They always wanted to be a popular rock and roll band. Uh-huh. And when they came back, Bob... During our youth, mm-hmm. they came back with some um, some tricks in the bag and some superstar songwriters under their arm, and it created a string of like big time hits that made them super fucking popular. It's funny to say came back because I know they did technically go away, but I never felt like they were missing. Like they were one of those bands that, from the earliest memories of listening to music, Aerosmith was on the radio, and they were never not on the radio from. Walk This Way to Janie's Got a Gun to this album we're doing tonight. Well, that's true. Walk This Way was in 87, uh, and that was their big comeback. And then two years later, Pump came out. Mm-hmm. And that was, yeah, Janie's Got a Gun, Love in an Elevator. Um, but they were, I guess they were essentially gone from the 78 into, to 86 yeah. or something like that. And yeah. they were gone, gone, like everybody thought they were dead, mm-hmm. gone. Uh, but by the time we were, you know, entering our teen years, that's when Get a Grip came out. And that's what we're talking about today. Oh yeah, we are. Today's the Get a Grip podcast. We are so irrationally excited about this. (laughs) Why are we so excited, Bob? Can you help to kind of explain it before we get into the album? Maybe. Uh, well, number one, we know that there's going to be some monster singles on here that we loved at the time. Uh, number two, neither of us are Aerosmith fans. 
fans, so I know... Not technically, no. Not technically, so I wouldn't be surprised if we rip into them a little bit, and that's always fun. But isn't everybody kind of like... Our friend Mark is a legitimate Aerosmith fan, but I feel like most people kind of fell in the same category. It's not totally different than like the Chili Peppers, where you don't meet a lot of like huge Aerosmith fans, but you meet a we lot of people kind of like the, uh, right. like Aerosmith. We don't meet them, but they're out there. They got to be out there. They got to be. They got to be. Um, so this came out in 93, right, Bob? It did come out in 93. Uh, when in 93? April 20th, 1993. Oh, my. How about that? What just, was going on in the world, Bob? Well, the world was just waiting for you to turn 13 in three days, Dan. St- and I was still waiting for... A single pubic hair, <laughs> anything under my arms, yeah. any type of stubble on my face. Bob had a full beard at this point. Full beard, full uh, bush. Big, Just... big, bushy pubic region. Uh, a very different situation. April 20th was actually when I started shaving my back because it was just... <laughs> un- it was time. Yeah, it was... It was just had to un- do it. it. All right. Also, uh, oh, I didn't tell you what the number one song is, so you're just going to have to go on the fly on this. Yeah, I can but do that. But let me tell you about the other big things that happened in April 1993. First, we'll start with the biggest. Uh, WrestleMania 9 happened, and Hulk Hogan pinned Yokozuna. Yeah, that was a shit show. That was at Caesars Palace (laughs) in uh, Vegas, and it was a very poor pay-per-view. And it was right at the tail end. We're now entering kind of like the death spiral. I was a huge wrestling fan from about WrestleMania 6, which would have been April 90, to I went to WrestleMania 10 at the Garden in March of 94, that is the window when I was a huge wrestling fan. And then I dropped it forever and never yeah. went back. Mm-hmm. So, but it was at that stage by 93 where they were kind of searching a little bit. Yeah. I remember Yokozuna is kind of like the end of me really being into it. It was like giant Gonzalez. Yeah. And, and you know, it was like Hacksaw Jim nails. Duggan. Nails. Boss Man versus Nails. Yeah. There was a lot of that. You used to be fascinated that I always remembered uh, Nails' prison number that he had. Do you on still his know it? 902714. You've got to replace that with something useful, <laughs> like your kid's birthday or something. I, I don't really know that. Uh, the Marlins and the Rockies played their first games in Major League Baseball. Yep, remember that. David Lee Roth was arrested in New York City for buying $10 worth of marijuana. Wow, different world. Different world. Uh, but that show didn't premiere this month, but you know what did? Wait, wait, wait. What was that transition? <laughs> that was transition. David Lee Roth's <laughs> no, you marijuana said arrest? You said different world, and I said oh. that show didn't premiere this month because that was a show. Oh. Remember that? Uh, it was just clunky, but it didn't It was very sense. clunky. Okay. No, my brain, it, it wasn't working very well. <laughs> Walker, Texas Ranger premiered. Yes. The Who's Tommy debuted on Broadway. NBC announced Conan O'Brien would replace David Letterman. And... Uh, the lead singer of the Bangles, Susanna Hoffs, married mm. screenwriter Jay Roach, director. I think they're still together. They are still together. I met them many years ago. Together? Together, yeah. That's hot. Uh, movies that came out that month. Wait, before you go on, since you brought up Walker, Texas Ranger, and Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Uh, let's play this. Yeah, please do. And how you doing, little partner? Fine. And it's Little Visitor now. <laughs> do you always how you say it in Cherokee. Oh, well, pardon my French, but uh, I'll be damned. <laughs> Walker told me I have AIDS. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's so great. Uh, what else, Bob? Uh, oh, the reason I just dropped that I met Susanna Hoffs and Jay Roach is because I Walker I wanted to tie it back into 
uh, you're saying, you know, time catches up with all of us. Not Susanna Hoffs, one of the most mm-hmm. attractive people I've ever mm-hmm. seen in person. Beautiful woman. Beautiful woman. Uh, movies that came out that month. Indecent Proposal. The Sandlot. I loved. Well, I was a big fan of. Um, Indecent <clears throat> Proposal. Well, a big fan of Demi Moore. Um, so that era of Demi Moore was very special. And uh, she was on fire in Proposal. Yes. yes. And it's a really bad movie. If you watch it again now, it's really fun. It hasn't aged well. No, it hasn't I mean, it's just well. a stupid it's premise. Stupid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Sandlot, which I loved. Sandlot, I saw that in, in the theater on my 15th birthday. Bob, did you know, or 13th, 13th. birthday, um, the general plot of Indecent Proposal, they were underwater with their housing project. It was a very early 90s like mm-hmm. reason for them to be dealing with Needing financial and stuff, problems. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that led to Robert Redford propositioning, and he and she banged him. Oh yeah, she I banged always liked him. that she banged him. She banged him, and it tore their relationship apart. And then they stayed together, though, right? Well, no. In the end, I think they end up splitting because it was just too much to deal with the fact that she had Robert Redford's That's old right. man. I want to watch that again. I don't care if you say it's bad. All right, watch. It. I'm not going to stop you. Okay. Uh, Sidekicks came out. That was a dumb movie. I, liked I saw that as a kid. Yeah. And the Crush, which I'm sure we'll talk about later in this episode. Yeah, with uh, Carrie Elwes. Carrie Elwes, and of course, Alicia. Alicia Silverstone. Which, she might come up later. Uh, we saw Carrie Elwes at the Andre the Giant. Uh, we saw what was left of Carrie Elwes at the Andre the Giant premiere. Uh, yeah, she. Um, he, uh, he, he was he's still technically well, a man. Well, he was with a very young woman. Yes, we don't know how young. We assume legal. <laughs> Probably legal. Probably I think we legal. should say, Bob. We have no idea how old she was. No, but. No. Um, he he looked different. Put it that way. Yeah. This is the uh, number one song in America. It most certainly was. Did a white guy just say five zero? Oh yeah, he did. Not just a white guy, Dan. A Canadian white guy. <laughs> the white guy. This this is middle school. Like this just reminds me of middle school and just being like, hey, uh, you know that kid, he knows all the words to informer. He could like do it. He he, like he could say what he's saying. (laughs) Do you remember what the name of this album was? Twelve inches of snow. Oh my god. And there's no way it, uh, this dude didn't have a tiny dick. No, no. He was a Canadian reggae star. Come on. Come on, Snow. But you know what? Then I, I say that, but it's like, if you are audacious enough to name your album 12 Inches of Snow. You better be pulling out 12 Inches of Snow. You better have a big dick. You yeah. better have at least 10 Inches of Don't Snow. Don't overpromise and underdeliver. Like, is it possible that, honestly, is it possible you can name your album 12 Inches of Snow and then have a four-inch cock? Totally uh, erect? It's not. Hey, well, probably... If you measure from your asshole and go under and it's 12 inches, then I guess that's allowed. The jury is back in for me. He had a foot long dick. Okay, good. Good. Um, Number one song. Also, one of those songs where I made up the lyrics when I was young and it's always the same forever. I go, Informa, don't you don't know, Cinco Cero, Elica Boom Boom Dale. Yeah, I mean, not even close, but <laughs> yeah, whatever you want. Close. It's fine. Who knows what it is? Who cares? Uh. What is that song about? I guess the police. His his, his tiny dick. <laughs> Poor guy. He's just apologizing the entire time. 
Um, all right, Bob. Walker told me I have AIDS. That's how the album starts? A very strange start. But actually, you know what? how it really starts um, is with an intro. And that gets me really excited because when an artist of any kind uh, starts in on with an intro, it could go in a lot of directions. And Aerosmith, I feel like they're probably feeling themselves. Well, I mean, when you've been a band for like 25 years, you don't really need an intro anymore. Just start your album. All right. You ready? Yes. Here we do. Here we do. Here we do. Here we do. Wake up, kid. It's half past the youth. Ain't nothing really changing but the date. Are you a grand slammer, but you know, babe, Ruth? You got to learn how to relate. Lloyd. I've been swinging from the pride gate. I got all the answers. Lo and behold, you got the right key, baby, but the wrong key. Ho. Yo. Whoa. Lot to unpack. Lot to unpack in the intro. So he st- st- opens with a rap and then a callback to walk this way. Uh huh. Just to remind you who they are. Wow. <laughs> All right, which leads into, I believe, one of the singles. Yep. Ooh, that's a nice riff. Oh, Bob loves this. I'm in. <laughs> Bob, the second <laughs> single released from Get a Grip, one of the most popular Aerosmith albums. Uh, very few rock critics, or I guess true rock aficionados, will say it's one of their best albums, but one of their most popular. Eat the Rich is the second single. Your thoughts? I might have said that we weren't Aerosmith fans, but in 1993, I was an Aerosmith I feel like you fan. were. I had this yeah, album. I remember that. I liked this a lot. I got into their like back catalog a little bit at the time, and this immediately is bringing me back to just being excited about the band Aerosmith, a band that my dad liked, that I liked now. It's great. Did Steve, your dad, did he like late period Aerosmith or did he think it was shit? No, I think he stuck with it. I mean, he liked, you know, pop music and stuff that was coming out in the 90s. But, you know, I remember listening to like Dream On as a kid. Right. Like, this is a cool, this is like a classic rock song. And I do that with my son now where it's like I'll play like a big song like Under Pressure or like Free Fallen and just be like, this is an important song. Like, I want to like get <laughs> it's that. Important, you understand? Yeah, I want to like get that in his head. That like these are important artists. Was this played in uh, Wayne's World too? If it wasn't, it should have been. I feel like it might have been. I feel like you're right. Yeah, that's how I kind of feel like I learned it. It was not. Uh, it was a, a peaked at number five on the mainstream mainstream rock charts, uh, but was not a huge hit. And apparently, Bob, 
it is known, according to Wikipedia, which never steers us wrong, mm. as a fan favorite. How much of a fan favorite, Bob? It has an entire subhead dedicated uh, under the title fan favorite. Oh, wow. Well, Wikipedia wouldn't steer you astray there. I liked it. I, mean, I don't it's not, like that song, though. I have to I, be honest I don't with you. love it. I liked it at the time. It's funny to think about how like it was the pre the two pre crying singles like everything Aerosmith as a band and an entity changed when crying happened like so everything on this album and before it was that rock band Aerosmith and then crying on is a completely different beast. That's true. I'm with you totally on that track three. Technically the second song if you count the song that ended with him saying yo. I do. Then this is track three. Get a grip. (laughs) That was not track. that was not us. What are you, Howard Stern? That was not me. Like that, was, that was the actual song. <laughs> Come on, Robin. No, he burped from eating the rick. crazy about the album get a grip because the song get a grip is not no it sounds like a, me. it sounds like a crappy rag doll good call that's exactly what it sounds no. like um this is aerosmith's best-selling studio album worldwide achieving sales of over 20 million copies that's a lot of copies what the fuck uh tied with pump which was their previous album for the second best-selling album in the united states uh for the band selling seven million copies as of 1995, so I'm sure that's much higher now. Uh, this is a monster album. We have not gotten to any of the singles that truly made it that way yet. Yeah. Or the idea, and we should talk about this, Bob, once we get to it, that this is one of the uh, albums, and maybe one of the last few big albums that MTV helped turn into an insanely large album. Interesting. We'll get into that. Yeah, that we feels shall like get something into that. We yeah, anything into. to say about getting a Nothing at all. I think we should move on from it. You know what they should have done? Because, Bob, this is like 14 songs this album. Yep. Fucking trim it. Let's get down to 11. Well, like, the intro like doesn't count. Professionals, the like grown-ups. Oh, now an intro doesn't count. Yeah, now it doesn't. Take a stand, Bob. If you don't count intro... I'm on the side 13. of the artist for putting as many songs on the fucking album as they want. Oh, aren't you like a fighter of freedom? I'm like the the guy that owns the record store at Empire Records. We were saying before we started taping that uh, what a damn shame we did the Empire Records soundtrack and we immediately lamented the fact that we didn't watch the movie in about because it would have taken us like one step to find twenty it. years. Yeah, and then about a week after uh, we sent that pod live, uh, it dropped on Netflix. Yeah, so if you haven't seen it, watch it now. It's not very good, but and I'm, then listen to the podcast. Yeah, and then listen to our podcast. All right, here we go. Here's uh, track four, Fever. How would you get a hole in your brand new shoes? This is being careless. I have an early hot take, Bob. 
the trackless thing on this is a fucking mess. Yeah, I have very. I thought I had no memory of this song, but then I kind of that fever part kind of did a little something. This is something that should be mid album filler. Why is it so early on? Can I can I try something? Can I experiment with something here? I don't know. We have to we have to run it by the bosses. No, we don't have here them anymore. Throwback pod uh, because. Whatever that, what was that company that we were connected to? I don't know. Don't remind me, because then I'll just rail against them. Uh, we don't have bosses, so we can do it. All right, I'm going to go back to the intro, right? How, what if the album started like this? You ready? Okay. Tell me if this would be better. Plus, Wake I just want to listen to this bad intro. Bad. Again. You How to relate. I've been swinging from the pranic gate. I got all the answers, and lo and behold, you got the right key, baby, but the wrong key, ho, yo. Come on! <laughs> no, I like the way they did it. I think Steven Tyler's on point. All right, here we go. This is track five, and you know what this is. There's something wrong with the world today. I don't know what it is. Something's wrong with our eyes. We see things in a different way. God knows it ain't his. It sure ain't no surprise. Yeah, we're living on the edge. Living on the edge. Living on the edge. Living on the edge. The lead single, Bob. Yes. From Get a Grip. Living on the Edge, and uh, dare I say, Bob, one of their very best songs. Ever? Like in the history of Aerosmith? If I was putting together a top 10 Aerosmith list, I believe that this would have a, a home. Ooh, that's interesting. See, I don't know if it's top 10, but I do like it a lot, and I liked it a lot when it came out. What's cool video. What's like about it? Yeah. It's I don't such know. a great sounding They've made song. a lot of great songs, though. I don't know if I would immediately throw it in the top 10. You are the biggest Aerosmith fan I've ever known. Now that I'm rethinking the history of it all, and I think about 13-year-old Bob and Get a Grip was definitely in the record collection and the big ones you big had Big ones in there I too. had, yeah, yeah. So you had that one-two pump. Pump, I think, might have been in there, too. I know. I, I think I had a cassette of Pump. I like this part, too. Yeah. I just think it's a great, great rock song. Oh, I don't disagree. It is. It's great. The video where he's just like... Playing on the uh, train tracks, it was badass. Wasn't he kind of like in? Wasn't there some type of effect where he half of him was in black and half of yeah, him was in color, and he would like dive out of the black part? Yeah, they did very well with the videos on this album. Uh, but this was a huge, huge, huge hit. Was it really? Yes, Bob. Good. It was. Um, uh, it reached number eighteen on the Billboard 100. And number one on the Billboard album rock chart remained there for nine weeks. Wow. It is their most successful single on the chart, on that rock chart. And the UK chart, it peaked in the top 20. Wow. So big, big song for them. And I believe, I shouldn't say this because I don't know for sure, but I actually did see Aerosmith live, strangely enough. Wait, you did? In 2001, yeah, uh, with my whole family. And uh, this, I remember being a standout. I, I, I believe they play this on every tour they do. So your, uh, your dad was like, you know what? Last time we all saw a concert as a family was Weird Al and the Beach Boys. And the Monkees. And the Monkees. What can I do? How can, I, how can we top that? 
I know. Let's go see Aerosmith. And I think it was the because la- my sister went, my brother. I think it was the second and final entire Hansis family rock concert experience. Not final. You're, you guys are all still kicking. Do it again. I just don't know if it's going to happen, <laughs> but it's not a bad idea. Oh, there's another good part, Bob, when it gets... Yes. Joey Kramer. Yeah, good song. I was inspired, Bob, by the 1992 Los Angeles riots. What wasn't? We should have wrote a song about the Los Angeles riots. It's not too late. You're big on not too late right now. I like that. I'm um, saying, let's write that song, and then you and your family can go see Snow. <laughs> snow with his giant dick. Hey, did you know, Bob, you should know this. This song was parodied. Well, what other sign of a song being a massive hit? Parodied by Weird Al Yankovic as, come on, Bob, uh, on his Alapalooza album. Maybe something about eggs. Like, <laughs> I really like some eggs. Something like that. That's that's, that's your guess. <laughs> yeah. They've all, I, I mean, really like some eggs. I mean, obviously, Al has a better way with words than I do. But Well, this doesn't sound like one of Al's hits. Growing in the fridge. Oh, yeah, because like, he probably has like a gelatin mold that's, that was happening in. I could see that. I don't know about that one, Al. <laughs> that checks out in the, uh, the Al mythology. Like if you're, if you're doing your whole world of Weird Al, that makes sense. Let me. All right, because I, I feel like I didn't do it justice, Bob, my transition. Are you going to play the intro a third time? I'm going to play it a third time, but I'm actually now going to crossfade it. Uh, so it's not choppy. Ready? Here we go. I'll, I'll cut through the halfway through this. How to relate? I've been swinging from the planet gate. I got all the answers, and lo and behold, you got the right key, baby, but the wrong key. Ho, yo. Come on. What you're, if the album started like that? You're no DJ AM. I'm sorry. Wow, DJ. First one that popped in my head. <laughs> Rest in peace. Uh, all right. So there you go. That is uh, "Living on the Edge." Uh, coming up next, Bob, a song called Flesh. Okay. I was about to say, because uh, Steven Tyler, of course, is America's creepy pervert uncle. Mm-hmm. I haven't really, uh, my skin hasn't crawled yet. No, so far it's been very bluesy, very rocky. He hasn't been too like. Definitely trying... a radio sheen to it. Yeah. But. No, he hasn't been sleazy like that later, you know, pink Steven Tyler. That's just like. My personal really... favorite Steven Tyler. I know is... it is. Sleazy 56-year-old Steven Tyler is my favorite. <laughs> All right. Here's Flesh. There's a build-up, apparently. But... Is this Aerosmith experimenting? It's a 14-minute long song. It's their space oddity. <laughs> this is their, like, Zeropa. Oh, he's going to be gross. I have a good feeling that he's yeah. going to be a total pervert He's going to be there. a perv freak. And that's what I'm hoping for. Let's hear. Come on, Steve. Come on, Uncle Steve. You're so young and I want to see you. Yep, there it is. Yeah, when the night comes, everybody got 
He's just yelling the word flesh. He's just yelling it like a fucking maniac, like a like a crazy guy outside a crazy a, outside forever. a sorority house. Like Ron Jeremy after a couple bumps, just walking up and down sorority row, yelling flesh. Everybody gotta have flesh. You got me all soaking wet. Flesh, the only thing that's worth the sweat from the day that Eve did Adam. Oh, here. Oh, pop up. There's more. <laughs> All right, listen. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, okay. The Prince of Lust has made his match. The witch has brewed the baddest match. His sword is sharp and hard as stone. Her cauldron begs for one more <laughs> And so my that's the creepy uncle we've been waiting I for. I mean, ultimate, ultimately, and they've they've obviously done fine, but serious question. Did Steven Tyler's throbbing erection hold Aerosmith back? <laughs> Could they have been a bigger, better band? How if about he... this? How about it's what propulsed them forward? I know, but... His sword ne- is sharp and <laughs> no. hard as stone. The cauldron begs for one more bone. Ew. Wait, so the, the witch's cauldron is the puss? That's a vagina. Wow. <laughs> this guy's got problems. How many kids do you think this guy has? Because we don't know about all of them. No, we definitely it's don't. not just Liv Tyler. No, he's definitely woken up next to somebody and found out that they were related. All right. Let's move on. The next track is called Walk On Down. Walk On Down, Bob. Down probably means oral sex. Yeah, yeah. Track seven. Yeah, More holes, holes in, in the, the shoes. shoes. What kind of shoes is are Is this a real problem for Aerosmith? I have to say the, the first seven songs um, outside of Living on the Edge are profoundly shitty to me. Yeah, there's one good song in the first seven. That's insane. Walk on down. Well, I did some research, Bob, and apparently when they first delivered the album, it was supposed to come out in 92, Okay. and the record company was like, I don't know, guys. <laughs> it's like, uh, we're going to have to go back to the drawing board here. We need a single yeah. or two here. And then uh, the version that came out in 93 had a, a, a beefy 14 tracks, mm-hmm. uh, including multiple big-time singles, and I'm wondering... If singles did arrive during that late songwriting session and, and production session, and then they just said "fuck it," just throw it into the mix with whatever the original eleven of twelve was, and we got we got this uh, chunky brew. Does Wikipedia tell you which ones had those like extra? Because I think they brought on extra writers too for those singles. Definitely brought on extra writers. Uh, that you're asking me to read closer, and I'm just not really prepared to do that maybe just go down because at the bottom of wikipedia they always have like the track listing and who wrote the songs yeah. just curious no i'm not gonna do it. don't do that no. well for the for the fans at home that really want an interactive experience do the fucking job that dan won't do the one thing i ask him ever i won't do it no actually uh bob 
Desmond Child, who's like a big time, uh, quote unquote, hard rock songwriter doctor at the time, wrote Flesh with them. Okay. I think all these songs they they had they had help. Uh, next track, Bob, Walk On Down, literally nothing to say. I, I just can't believe that was on this album. No, that was the worst song so far. Now, here's a song I, was, I mentioned, Bob, Wayne's World 2, which, by the way, I rewatched and absolutely passed um, the test of rewatchability 20 years later. I need to rewatch that. It is really funny. Wayne's World 2, Wayne Stock. And oh, yeah. No, Aerosmith is, it, uh, has a major role in it because they're the only band that actually shows up for Wayne Stock. And... Um, they play a lot of their newer stuff, including this song in which uh, Garth Algar and his super cute girlfriend, that's the Garth Algar lookalike, mm-hmm. uh, rock oh, yeah, out together. That was uh, Kevin Arnold's sister, right? Yes. Yeah. Very good. Bob. Wow, I forgot about this song. <laughs> a tear just hit the ground. So I started writing you this song, but the words I wrote came out all wrong. Yeah, but it's It works in Wayne's World too. It's it's a kind of like a fun rollicking live song they do on the stage. Yeah, uh, it doesn't sound quite as exciting when you're just listening to it right now. But yeah, it's definitely not a great song, but it's bringing back memories. Um, Bob, I did do some extra research for you. The album originally had 12 songs and ended up with 14. So I'm guessing it doesn't say which which songs they were. Okay. But it was probably singles that we haven't heard yet, and we will hear shortly. So you, this was—I like this song. I like "Get Up and Dance." Yeah. And it was a UK-only single. Seven singles, Bob, released from this album. Wow. This is the lone one that was only released in the UK. You're welcome, UK. <laughs> and we do have quite a few uh, UK listeners, so you guys probably know this song. I don't know if it gets you excited. Was it a hit? Let's see. Who knows what's going on in the UK with the yeah. music because of the Robbie Williams thing. <laughs> It reached number uh, 24, Bob. Okay. It's in the Wayne's World 2 soundtrack. Some of the lyrics are double entendres, Bob. Such as... No, wait. Steven Tyler? (laughs) What? Such as, sex is like a gun. You aim, you shoot, you run. (laughs) That was was my senior quote. (laughs) You want another one? Yeah. We should have done Steven Tyler gross quotes for our senior quotes. Yeah. God, we did everything When you're splitting hairs with Mr. Clean... It's like getting head from a guillotine, and the night has just begun. It's guillotine. That's uh, no, guillotine. And wow, that's amazing. <laughs> um, there you go. Okay. You know what I rewatched recently for the first time in decades? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, how is that holding up? Holds up. Really? Holds up. It's a lot of fun. I remember seeing that in the theater and, and really enjoying it and then going to see Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and just being absolutely fucking destroyed by how poor it was. I read the book for Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. a book? Journey. Well, not really. It was like one of those books that the studio put out 
That's basically the movie. How does one end up reading such a book? I think it was for summer reading where you, have, where you get to like pick out the books you read. And I bought it at a Barnes and Noble and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey that was, was your choice. Was one of the books I read. Wow. So when I saw the movie, it was very, very uh, fulfilling to actually see it all come to life. That's funny. <laughs> the words like, of the screenwriter. I, Bob, um, I remember reading when we, you had to do summer reading, which was the bane of everyone's existence. Hated it. All they asked you to do, by the way, was read three. a book. Wasn't it three? Well, it was like two assigned books and then pick one, I think. So, yeah, you had to read three books. You had to read, though. You had to read. And it just, everybody just was dying. Yeah. You just had, How do you read three books in a summer? One year, it was probably the same year you read Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. I somehow, because they gave you a list that you had to choose yeah. from. I uh, read The Illustrated Man by Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's no way any of that fucking sunk in. It was fucking hyper-sexually charged, <laughs> I remember. And I was like, and I didn't understand any of it. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? How did I get here? And Bob's reading Bogus Journey. Should have read Bogus Journey. I don't know if it was on the list provided by Pearl River uh, Middle School or High School, but you should have read it. Uh, all right, Bob, you ready? Now let's get to the real shit. Right, so we had, we had to wait like eight tracks to get to real songs. I mean, you're just dying for a song that you instantly know, right? Yeah. We had Live It On The Edge, and, and that, that was, was great. great. Yeah. Um, and even here eat, we go. Eat The Wretch, too. But hit me with something good. How about that, Bob? This makes me feel young again. This is it. Crying, Bob. And it's the first of the holy trilogy of Alicia Silverstone Aerosmith videos released off this album. Um, why don't we get into that, Bob? Because, uh, well, actually, let's start here. This is a great song. It's a great song. Just straight up great song. Even without music videos, this right. is a great you song. Could, you could make the argument, although I do like crazy, um, that... The other two big videos, the songs were fine. Yeah. But it was the video that made them memorable. This song, I think, is just the best of the song. I think it was the video. You're right. The songs were fine. It was the video. But I think it was this song being so great that propelled everything. It was like this was the rocket launch. <laughs> you know, like this right. was it. Like everything that came after, like, I bet you anything that would have come next would have been the hit. Because this was so good and so big. So they open with a living on an e on the edge. That's a big hit. Get a gr uh, eat the rich comes out. Everybody's like whatever. Fine. Kind of shitty. Yeah. Uh, and then this one comes out and it goes number twelve on the Billboard 100, and then became a massive hit in Europe. Hit number one in Norway, Bob. Number three in Sweden. Number seventeen on the UK chart. Uh, and 
Then the video came out starring Alicia Silverstone, your boy, Stephen Dorff. Dorff on golf. And the other guy. Josh Holloway from uh, Lost. Josh Holloway from Lost. Uh, this is just a great, great uh, power ballad. And obviously nobody was talking about Dorf or Holloway. Maybe Dorf got a little bit of buzz at the time because he was kind of a celebrity back then. But Alicia right. Silverstone, never in our life, I think, has like one three, four-minute video transformed an unknown into a superstar like this. Yeah. Like, do you think of anything else like this? Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, the only other one, it was a little before our time, but... Um Tony Katane in the White Light State right. video. Right, that's a great, yeah, that's like a good that, that made that her made very her, big, but yeah. but Lisa Silverstone became a movie star. Right. Like, and, and this is how it started. Uh, and she was just totally fucking magnetic. And uh, and just think about it, Bob. We were 13-year-old boys when this came out. We had this. Oh, I love this part. Um... Alyssa Silverstone and Jenny McCarthy was one of the great one-two punches for an adolescent boy and Pamela Anderson in the mix there, too, right. that you could ever, ever ask for. Well, Jenny McCarthy was, what, 94, 95? Yes. Yeah, so this was definitely pre-McCarthy. Right, it was my whole the setup. My whole uh, thing, my whole, like, sexual awakening is pre and post-Jenny McCarthy. This is definitely pre. I did, yes. But there is, and we'll get to it. We'll get to it, Bob. I, I like to think that it was Jenny McCarthy for me, too, but now I'm thinking about it. It actually was Alicia, but not this song and not this video. Right. And this video, we actually watched it uh, here in the garage right before we started recording. Jerking each other off. We're jerking each other off as we do. That's how we kind of get into yeah. things. Normally, like, like whatever video is on. <gasps> We're best friends. We're best friends. We're best friends. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Yeah, last, last week it was to the OK Go video. Like, whatever's on, it's fine. It doesn't even matter. Um, and it ends, it's all about her being uh, taken advantage of by an asshole boyfriend played by Dorf. Dorf. And then she gets her revenge by uh, a pretending... Fake. Faking her own suicide. suicide. Yeah. And, you know, again, this is another 90s trope because we talked about it in the Empire Records soundtrack, how they kind of played it up for laughs that the Robin Tunney character is like, she's psycho. She tried to kill herself. <laughs> she tried to slit her wrist. What's next? That girl's got problems. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, but, it, but in the mid-90s, I guess, suicide was obviously serious, but something that you could kind of have fun yeah. with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever happens, happens. I mean, is society better or worse eh. for that? I, eh. you, you tell us, Bob. You decide right now. <laughs> uh, I just always remember being bothered by the scene where she jumps off the bridge because, uh, you know, it's her fake suicide attempt. And she jumps and there's no sign of any sort of uh, rope or any sort of uh, bungee no, not, cord. No, not when she's kind of but rocking I, back and forth. Not at all. Is like, Even when on. she jumps, you could see, like, there's nothing happening. But then this sort of, like, rip cord comes out of uh, her waist her waist or her belly button ring I don't know and uh, she goes down and then she just snaps at the bottom and there's no give no it's not a bungee cord it was like her spine would snap in half oh right in half and then she just gives him the finger and she gives the finger which is kind of a badass ending to the video but also in reality she'd be in a fucking <laughs> wheelchair she would never recover she from would that. have no feeling horrible, from her waist down horrible stunt and by the way if she survived if she survived what's part two of that uh, scenario do they have to like She's over a freeway. So would they have to like pull her back up? Like that's going to be awkward. Well, think about the the red tape and the the, the <laughs> uh, criminal issues she's dealing with after that. But we we were left 
this 13 year old just to celebrate her victory that she's like, ha ha, you thought I was going to kill myself over you. But instead, um, I'm going to jail. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> I'm closing down the 101 for about an hour and a half. Uh, great song, memorable video, maybe not the most logical video. Uh, and Aerosmith was flying with Get a Grip. Here is the next track. They should have just released the four singles. That was it. Just as like an, an EP. EP. Yeah, that's yeah. It. All right. Here's Gotta Love It. Okay. We, can we keep talking about crying? I cannot believe Steven Tyler hasn't been Me too yet. Uh, you know why? Because he's like too deep. It's like there's no point in me tooing him. Because of course. Right. You know? He kind of brought him up earlier, but Howard Stern, like he survived the um, people digging through the past to see, oh, wait, that person is problematic because they said this in the right. past. Certain people kind of get the past. Like you were different. Have you changed? We'll let you off the hook. Tyler, I guess because he is an American icon, we gave him the same benefit of the doubt. It's like Steve is doing a bunch of weird shit in yeah. the 70s, 80s, and 90s, uh, but now we're going to assume he's like a mild-mannered like uh, yeah. talent show host or whatever he's exactly. doing. Exactly. No, we give passes to you know Steven Tyler, uh, Howard Stern, and Donald Trump. That's it. It's just kind of like, <laughs> ah, he does what he does. Just those three. Yeah. Um, all right, so got to love it, Bob. Any Any thoughts? Should we give the song a chance? No, no. Okay. Because this is the kind of Aerosmith that I think makes them a great singles band. Right. You know, like when you listen to their singles, it's great. But anything that's not a single is that. It's this kind of like overly bluesy kind of eh kind of music. Okay. What if, Bob? I don't know why I'm in the mood for this today, but just like rewriting history of the track listing. What if it, what if this is how it went instead? Okay. That song we just heard that I don't even remember the name of it. Never anymore, happened. It didn't exist. And instead, this is what happened on Get It Good. It better be Haley Joel Osman saying I have hands. You know you yeah. Ooh! Seems like we're making up more than we're making love. love. And it always seems you got something on your mind other than me. Girl, you better change your crazy ways. Say you're leaving on a 7:30 train and that you're heading out to Hollywood. I love this song. Girl, you've been giving me the line so many times it kind of gets like feeling bad. Looks good. Oh, you know what, Bob? This would be a fucking great karaoke. It would be. Yeah, that's a good. I call. often think when I when I have that thought that I need to write this shit down on my phone, and Just, then if I'm ever at a karaoke place, because none of this stuff. Whenever you're looking at that book, nothing clicks. No, nothing. Yeah. I love it. It's a great bluesy, obviously highly calculated. There's probably 700 songwriters, but I just love. Uh, I just love the song. I love. And he deserves credit. Let's give Tyler credit. He's such a great vocalist. Yeah. Like, he just knows how to turn a very ordinary line into something really memorable. And I think he does that, especially with this song. Like this part. I mean, he definitely came out of, like, the Jagger school of 
enunciation. Which is not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. So let's we have to again talk about this video. Okay. You start, Bob, because this this is this might be the most famous of the three videos. You think so? It also involved, of course, and I've talked about this before, speaking of problematic and Steven Tyler. A highly sexualized version of his 18-year-old daughter, Liv Tyler, making her essentially her Hollywood debut. And it's rumored that the uh, the people that cast this video didn't even that he didn't know that this was his daughter. Like Steven Tyler didn't. Oh, know. he wasn't aware at that point. That's a rumor. I don't know if that's real. I love that. <laughs> I just believe that that's what it was. Right. Uh, yeah, this video was the hottest thing. And when was this a single? In like '94, '95. Uh, this one was a little later, oh, like Summer 94, maybe? It was one of those, we've talked about this with, uh, I think, Jagged Little Pills. Yeah. Certain albums that have a long shelf life, the record company will clearly go like, shit, what else is on this? What could work? What could work? And then sometimes they'll throw it out there, and yeah. it will work. And this one was released uh, as the seventh and final single uh, over a year after the release, and it became another monster hit, at least on MTV. Yeah. yeah Actually, a big sense. hit, Bob, in general, Bob. It was... Uh, peaked at number 17 on Billboard 100, number 7 on mainstream rock charts, number 3 in Canada, and uh, it was less successful in the UK. But uh, the video was awesome. So it was Liv Tyler and Alicia Silverstone. People, people in the UK were still rocking out to Shut Up and Dance. Exactly. Um, basically being sociopaths, right? Yeah, just Causing like committing shit. crimes or you know shoplifting, little things like that. But uh, tormenting guys, tormenting farm boys. That's right. Remember they're trying on the glasses in the gas station? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Liv Tyler tries stripping. That's like right. Stripper scene. And yeah, this introduced the world to Liv Tyler. Who would? Who was your choice between the two? Liv. Because everyone was like a Beatles or Stones guy. Well, you know in what the it 60s, was? Here it was Liv or Alicia in the 90s. I think it speaks to uh, me as a teenage boy. By this point, it was the third time we had seen Alicia Silverstone in a video. Okay. And the first time we saw Liv Tyler. So it was like, ooh. I got that. New. Uh, you know what? Liv, to me, at that time in my life, was a lot of woman. Even though she was, like, only five years older than us. <laughs> she was. She just was, you know, tall and yeah, vivacious. And Alicia Silverstone seemed more like a girl that would be, like, the hot girl in your high school. Yeah. Uh, so I think I was always Team Alicia. Uh, but I just want to let you know, Bob, because I'm teasing this. This was not my sexual awakening either. Okay. <laughs> Please. Keep teasing it. Keep teasing Dan it. Dan Hans' sexual awakening. Sexual awakening episode. Coming up later. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, like 19, like a War of the Worlds, Orson Welles, like a, yeah. staring at the radios. No. See, this is great Tyler right here. Yeah, this is. Like, I'm sure you could talk to people that know and understand and play music better than us, although we play music we play pretty well. Pretty well. Um, and they'll say this song is a pile of shit and a total mess. Yeah. But fuck you. Fuck you. It's I fun. It's a good song. Whatever. <laughs> fuck yourself. Whatever. Fuck you. <laughs> it's the 90s. I think that's a fun, bluesy. And also, like, who else is putting out that song in 1993? How long is that song? It's a long song, right? Uh, actually, Living on the Edge is like seven minutes. That song is a beefy 515. Yeah, I'm sure Living on the Edge, they had the friendly three-minute, 40-second version for uh, radio. That one played in full. I don't know. I think the, the, they used every second they could have it live in Alicia traipse through Yeah, America. no, that one, no, I'm saying that one they didn't edit at all. That was like, oh, I remember right, that right, being right. a long video. 
In fact, Bob, all three of the Magic Trilogy, yeah. the iconic trilogy, all plus five minutes. Wow. See, I never realized crying was that long. All right. And, and now a song called Line Up. Oh, I remember this one. I like, um, I like any song where the, uh, the verses have the same beats to diarrhea. <laughs> like that's the slide into first. Song? Yeah. 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 Line up in diarrhea. Just like you just lay one over the other. <laughs> you know who fucking loves that song? My uh, diarrhea? four year old son, Jack. He likes diarrhea. You know, it's one of those songs where the melody and into the first, and you feel something burst. Diarrhea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like it's one of those songs. The first time you hear it as a little boy, it's basically the equivalent of hearing like satisfaction for the first time. <laughs> That's it. It's like what is not perfect. No, about the first this song? The first time I played it for Dean, I sat him down. And I go, "This is important. <laughs> it's diarrhea." Uh, this song's fine, mm-hmm. but it's actually reached a stage, and maybe it's I can't separate it that the singles on this album are so huge and kind of influential in terms of being like a part of my childhood that everything is just waiting for those songs everything feels like mid single filler right yeah but that's fine I'm not even gonna do so that song that song not part of your sexual awakening (laughs) no okay it's not We'll get there. I'm not going to do the thing even, Bob. I'll show that song enough respect. It won't be the thing while I'll rewrite it. Yeah. It's like, wouldn't it be better? But though, wouldn't it be better, Bob? Oh, boy. Here we go. If if crying went into crazy. Well, you're basically just selling what happened in America. Like, you're just selling the big, like, that is how it went for us. For, like, everybody. But just wouldn't it be better okay. if crying went into crazy. Wouldn't this be one of the more memorable triplets in the history It'd of an the album? the greatest EP ever. Uh, if this crazy ending, and also another excuse to play crazy. Yeah, and there's like a tractor right now, and it spells something. What it does it spells, spell? Um, it says something like, I think it says crazy. Crazy. Yeah, right. it's right. With the Y <laughs> at the end. Yes, yeah, the long into this. Y underneath. Yeah. Coming up in minutes, Dan Hansis' sexual <laughs> awakening. <laughs> <laughs> we get to the uh, chorus here um this song for whatever reason was the one that uh the song itself the video and i'll get to the video but the song itself was my favorite of the three which i think probably really? puts me in the minority yeah probably but there was something and still when i listen to the song there's something about this song that is just i don't know it just kind of like hits me in the feels it just like right in the balls it just listen to this one Just turns my two testicles into a speed bag, Bob. <laughs> Wait a second. 
fuck, I love Wikipedia. <laughs> you do love Wikipedia. Holy shit, Bob. You ready? Yep. Listen to that last part of the chorus. The backing vocal. Yeah, that was me. I was there. It's Bob Castro. That was me. That's right. Yeah. Great singing. Yeah, I mean, they asked me to come in and sing in the background. So That's fucking Don Henley. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I told you Wikipedia is awesome. <laughs> Boys of Summer, Don Henley? That's fucking the Eagles frontman <laughs> and drummer. Wow. Yeah. So I guess he was just around. They were uh, like, Don, come on. He's available. He's, I mean, Tyler be friends. That is, by the way, one of the... I saw. Oh, hold on. You just landed on um, a huge senior quote. From I was Mark. just about to say that. Yeah. That's so funny because that's why I was rewinding that. <laughs> Life's a journey, not a destination. Got a lot of play. It did. In our uh, yearbook. Yeah. And it, the ones around us, too, like 96 to 98. Yeah. Um, all right. So... This this is the song of my sexual yeah, awakening. This is the uh, out of the three. Yeah, it's like the most emotional. That's probably why it gives you the feels. He's very even more emotive in this one than the it's other one. It's a ones. great power ballad. Yeah, uh, it has a lot of and, great little moments. And in also, it. talking about videos, you love virtual reality. Yes. So it's perfect. I've always loved virtual reality and, and, and the idea of virtual reality, especially as a teenager. But like, and who didn't? Let's be who honest. I mean, it was the perfect way to shoehorn in sexual exploits <laughs> that don't have to be tethered to reality. Right, on Cinemax. But, yeah. like, in this, it was Jeremy London, I believe, in his room. Uh, one of the London. Jason London? Maybe Jason Steve London. Steve London? Carl London. Uh, and he built in this database where he could uh, <laughs> he could get on a motorcycle with yeah. Alicia Silverstone. And two things. Um not necessarily in chronological order in the video, but really as a 13-year-old. And I was a slow-developing 13-year-old in terms yeah, of like... no chest hair. Besides that, not physically, but like when I was 13, I think I've talked about this on the podcast. Like I only really cared about like Don Mattingly and Boomer Esiason mm-hmm. and like swimming in my grandmother's pool and video games. That was it, yeah. pretty much, playing wiffle ball. Uh, but when I watch this video and it's this part of the song, I'll remember when they're on the highway and Alicia Silverstone turns around and is on London mm-hmm. and, she, and she's wearing the red dress mm-hmm. and the dress is hiked up a little bit and she's wearing the Doc Martens. That for me was like, bang. And then the motorcycle craps out and then she gets on the side of the road and she sticks the leg out yeah. and hails a fucking plane. <laughs> With her with her sex appeal, those like two images are indelible for me, and that's when I kind of was like, "Oh, okay, I love Don Mattingly and Boomer Sison and swimming in grandmother's pool and playing wiffle ball." But this is where the real shit's at. This, from now on. It's this. It's a, it's just this from here on forward. I remember I have like memories of talking to you about that exact moment when we were kids. Because like that was like the summer that we were hanging out the, probably for the right. first time. I just remember both of us just being like, what the fuck was that? Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, and the video is such a great document of like 90s youth culture. Yeah. On a lot of levels and including the uh, special effects and everything. And amazingly, virtual reality hasn't come that far since. It's kind of at the no, same level. We just kind of gave up on we it. Kind of gave bit. up on it. Bullshit well, we shouldn't. All right. But this is kind of epic song. Yeah, like, it's an epic song. It's great.
I love it. Should we go see Aerosmith in concert if they ever tour again? I would in a second. You would? Yeah, yeah. I kind of almost put the. Be honest with you, we saw the uh, the Weezer show at the Forum, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, I kind of put it in the same category. Like if I if it's a Wednesday night and I have a chance to see Aerosmith for yeah, fifty bucks, I'm fucking going. Yeah. But I don't know if they're. Are they I don't touring? know. Yeah, I don't think they so. They kind of don't like each other. Yeah, that Tyler makes sense. Tyler and uh, Perry. Which is kind of fun. I like when the, they don't like each other. Yeah, because they're, they're just on there to do it, and then they get off the stage and they hate each other. And they were like, uh, so Keith and Keith and Mick were the Glimmer twins, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think, because there was always those ties with Aerosmith and the Rolling Stones, they were the Toxic Twins, I think they were called. Right, because they hated each other. They were just doing a lot of drugs. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So get a, uh, so get a grip. That is the penultimate track, Bob. So they... That sounds like a tack on like they're like, go so? back to the drawing board, give us a song or we'll give you a song and then uh, we'll, we'll throw it on track 13. Nobody will give a fuck. Right. Which leads us to the final song, Boogeyman, which sounds like the band fought for and is like, no, but we're not losing Boogeyman. No, Boogeyman is that's how we end this album. That's how you close this. <laughs> we start with me rapping and we end with Boogeyman. Okay, hold on. I just, just thinking, my pre, my pre-sexual awakening all-stars, like the girls I was in love with before I had that Jenny McCarthy revelation, that it was like that side of the road moment, Alicia Silverstone, were Alicia Silverstone, because that was like, obviously just changed the game, because she was like, she did, she did it, Meg Ryan and Marissa Tomei. They did it for you. Yeah. Those were the pre-sexual awakening all stars. Oh, before? Before you kind of knew what was up. It was just... Well, Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny definitely, for me, yeah. was, oh, wait, she's something really kind There's of There's something cool. happening here. She, she was, yeah. quote, unquote, hot and everything, but it wasn't connecting. Is that yeah, that's what the area you're thinking? Yeah, of? that's what I'm saying. And what was Meg? That was like Sleepless in Seattle, Meg Ryan. I never saw that movie. Oh, still have never seen good it. Good movie. Why? Why would I see that when I was well, thirteen? You know, because you you just love rom coms. <laughs> when did you see it? You love just like guys whose wives died and they just travel <laughs> across the country to. Oh, is that what happened? That's sad. Yeah, <laughs> that's sad. So is this it? This is what the song is. This is how he ends it. Yeah, he end, they ended it with a sleepy instrumental. So I guess it All actually right. is twelve tracks, really. So shut the fuck up. It's twelve tracks. Well, how about this? Make it twelve tracks. <laughs> You Get rid numbers. of the bullshit on the top and bottom. Come on. Uh, that was a lot of fun, Bob. Let's do it again. Let's run it back. Is this how they end the album, really? It makes sense. This doesn't seem like an Aerosmith move, though. Well, especially with the title, like, Boogeyman, I thought he would have used this to just be annoying. Is there going to be something about, like, dicks and pussies at the end? <laughs> Wait, let's listen. No. No, that was it. Come here, baby. Yeah, uh, you can't get enough. I can't. I love that. In fact, Bob, we have to choose a um, Spotify uh, song to add to our playlist. And I feel like Walker told me I had AIDS. Can we just put that on the playlist? <laughs> Is that on Spotify? <laughs> it should be. <laughs> uh, I feel like I will nominate Crazy 
uh, as much as I just every, all my my sea poems I just sung for amazing. Um, crazy to me is just a fun rollicking silly little like great blues song uh that didn't exist by any other band in that moment yeah and for that reason that will be my nomination and uh but i will defer to you because you were the bigger aerosmith fan in the 90s so what do you think no i don't i want to um i was going to actually kick this off by deferring to you because i feel like even though i was the bigger fan in the 90s you're probably the bigger fan now and you saw them with your parents so you i did know. i saw them on the just push play tour so which so i feel like this is definitely something that you should go run with and i have no problem with whatever you pick so if it's crazy let's do it all right it is it's going to be crazy before we get to it because i don't think we're going to hit aerosmith again you don't think we're going to do uh just push play <laughs> i don't think just push play is going to get going to get the nod so i just i'm curious uh if there's another kind of, uh, I'm not going to say another favorite Aerosmith song because then you're, you could just say Dream On or one of their incredible uh, 70s hits. Uh, kind of a under-the-radar Aerosmith pre- or post-get-a-grip song that you want to pound the table for. You know what I'm going to throw one out there that I'm surprised I'm throwing it out there? I really like the song Blind Man that was on the uh, Big Ones Greatest Hits album. Yes. That's if anything's an underrated Aerosmith song, it might be that one. I agree. This is a good song. Yeah. And uh, they, I think they even went for it. The old trick, which is you put out the greatest hits and then put out a single that's a new song and then maybe turns into a greatest hit. The old Mary Jane's Last Dance. Yes. This is a very good song. Let's listen to this. I went to night school for deep well, I took some stuff that said would cool yeah. <laughs> But nothing seemed to light my fuse But it's all in the past Like the check that's in the mail She was a tall whiskey glass I was an old hound dog Just loved to chase his tail Until I met a Great. Yeah, this That's works for me. Song. This does it for me. I love it. I don't even know. Was it a single? Yeah. Yeah, there was a video. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Um, I will go. So they put out Get a Grip in 93. Uh-huh. And then they kind of went underground. I think they hated each other a lot for a while. Makes sense again. <laughs> they probably had a monster tour. They did the Wayne's World 2 shoot, which probably took a lot out of them. A lot out of them. Really just hated being in that dressing room together. And then uh, it probably was a mistake uh, career-wise, but they didn't show up again until 97 when things were changing. Mm -hmm. And it was no longer going to be, let's be honest, it was going to be very hard to be Aerosmith in the late 90s. Mm -hmm. And then I say that, and they had the Armageddon song, but... Yeah, which, by the way... You don't like to talk about the Armageddon song. I should apologize to my high school girlfriend for not selecting... Don't want to miss a thing because that was our song. I should have picked that one. That so was your song. I'm sorry about that. God, you're such a basic fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was your song? <laughs> what an asshole. Who's not basic when they're 17? Come on. Uh, okay. All right, I'll give you that. Um, anyway, so Nine Lives came out in 97. No one gave a fuck. No. But I loved the lead single. I knew it. I knew this was coming. 
And I think another uh, tour de force for Tyler, both vocally and lyrically. Let's listen. Down a one-way street with a one-night stand with a one-track mind of no man's land. The punishment sometimes don't seem to fit the crime. Yeah, there's a hole in my soul, but one thing I learned for every love letter written is another one burned. So you tell me how it's gonna be this time. Tell me, Bob, if that song came out, if this song, Hole in My Soul, came out in 1993 instead of 97. Oh, yeah. If this was like the next single, it would have been tremendous. It was a monster hit. And actually, they followed the formula to a T. I don't remember who was in the video or what the plot of the video was, but it was very elaborate and yeah. involved. And it was straight out of the playbook uh, of the Silverstone um, mold. Uh, it just didn't take. What year did this come out? It came out in 97. Yeah. It's so funny because this, I remember you loved this song in college. This was like a Napster song for me. Big time Napster song. Yeah, yeah. where it was like nobody bought that album, but you found it on Napster and it was like, oh, this is fun. Yeah, it, the album came out March 97 and I think that was like a summer release in that uh, year. Okay. Um, and it just didn't take, but I always liked that song. And it, for me, it's like if you put that on Get a Grip, if you make that the big one single, uh, it's a huge hit. But things had just changed, and people were like, had hit their limit, and uh, on Aerosmith. But but then I say that, and they had the Armageddon. Yeah, song, they were fine. They were. Fine. I'm very excited that this is going to be like our longest episode ever. <laughs> I think it had to be that we just couldn't stop talking about get a grip. But we decided on uh, crazy. We okay, did good. Okay, so. Uh, check out the Spotify playlist. Yeah, we'll tweet it out. How do you find the Spotify playlist? Well, it's on Spotify. If you look up, uh, I don't even know. Does anybody search on Spotify? Just go to our Twitter at ThrowbackPod. We'll tweet it out. It's always there. And uh, I am the I, I hold the flag up for Apple Music, and I do get tweets, Bob, about that. So. That also will exist on Apple Music. I'll send that link out as well. You got like a tweet about it. I got four tweets in the last nine months about it. That's half the tweets that we've received. So tweet at us. Also, uh, follow us on Twitter, at ThrowbackPod. Uh, if you want to email us about a horrendous childhood issue that you had to overcome or maybe haven't overcome we, and you need help. I don't, don't, no, don't. Ever do. since I started this prompt, Bob, have we gotten any emails about I don't know. We always forget to look. Childhood? We, I never go into the Gmail. We always forget to <laughs> You're look. afraid to now? I'm scared now. There's the throwbackpod <laughs> at Gmail. We're also on Instagram at throwbackpod. Um, a special thanks to my old college roommate, one of my best friends, Mark Glasman. Uh, without him, my appreciation of Aerosmith would have never been fully realized. We would never be fully realized as people. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, shouts to Mark. And, uh, and Patreon.com. Yes, Bob. Slash throwback pod. Keep this pod alive. Keep the Do pod not alive. let Bob's wife, Heather, shut us down. 
the way to keep us going is to donate, be a part of the cause, even a couple of dollars a month. Yes. Uh, just keep us going. And people ha- who have been donating, thank you so much. Thank and of you course, so much. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Until next week. <laughs>